You're listening to season two of the Where Did You See God podcast, where my family and I are processing our experience doing a family discipleship training school. You can learn more about that in the description, but the short version is this. God has given us an opportunity for five months to learn more about who he is, who he's created us to be, who he's created us to be as a family, and how we can use our lives to know him more deeply and share him with others. It has been a wild ride. And for three months, we were in a lecture phase. And for the past month, we have been serving on outreach. And I'll tell you what, it has been a challenge. But God has given us opportunities to see how creative, how attentive, and how loving he is. You're listening to episode 39 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I thank you for this opportunity to share a story that you gave. And I just pray right now that it wouldn't be my words, but yours. That it wouldn't be me speaking, but that the Holy Spirit would speak through me because I can't do it justice the way that the Spirit can. And I can't know what someone else needs to hear, but the Spirit can. So you've already searched my heart. Put it out on the table, whatever needs to be out there. Keep in whatever needs to be kept in. But above all, I pray that you are glorified. All us be praying in his holy name. Amen. One of the challenging things about doing an outreach in the mainland USA is that it looks very different than some of the other outreaches. For many of the other outreaches, the opportunities that they have to serve can be much bigger. The ways that they're able to engage can look uniquely different because of the different cultures, the different opportunities, the different needs. And for many people, mainland USA just evokes everyday life. But one thing we learned very quickly is that serving in the United States is difficult. Some of the things that we feel like make it easier actually makes it more challenging. And so we've been processing through that. The other week, the adults on the team, we sat down and we asked ourselves, what does success look like? for our outreach. Because while there may be another outreach where they can share stories about how they fed thousands of people or how they shared God's love and hundreds of people responded or how they went to an orphanage and there were hundreds of kids that were just so excited um, to be able to just have fun and play and, and be loved on and you know, we think about whatever numbers we could put out there and realize that on a very basic level, they don't seem to compare. But one thing we knew is that our outreach, what made our outreach good isn't numbers, isn't outcomes. Where we landed is that success for our outreach is this. Did we seek God? Did we listen to his voice? And did we respond and walk towards him? If you listened to the last episode, you know that God made it very clear that this was his outreach that he planned months in advance and that he put into place and that he chose each of us to be a part of it. And that anything going on from that point needed to be under his authority. 
Anything that happened after that wasn't about our ideas or what we wanted to accomplish. It was, are we looking for God and listening to him and responding accordingly? That is success for us. If we do that, then it doesn't matter what statistics or stories come out of this time. Because we may never actually know the impact that God has with us being here. We may not actually get to hear all the stories that God creates. And we don't have to, because walking in an obedience isn't about us coming away with all the rewards. Walking in obedience is honoring a God who made us and invited us to be a part of what he's doing. But God is God, and that's why that obedience exists. But God is good, and in his goodness, he gives us chances to see what he is up to, even if it's just a glimpse. Last week, I was struggling. <laughs> we, my family and I, we, we know that God wanted us to be here, but the things that he is doing, uh, we, we just didn't anticipate. There's a lot of internal work, a lot of dying to self, a lot of breaking, a lot of releasing that God is uh, very, very patiently, very kindly, and very graciously uh, leading us through. And it's led to some hard weekends, but God has been good. (laughs) And there is one particular day, it was just a hard day. And there's an opportunity to um, go out with a guy named Jesse. You can actually hear him share a story uh, back in an episode in the summer about hospitality. But one thing that Jesse's been doing for a long time is he loves to cook. And so he'll fix up a delicious meal, whether it's spaghetti or he's even done steaks before. He'll fix it up. He'll pack it up. He'll get in a van with anybody who's able and willing to come with them. He'll drive downtown. He'll set up some tables and chairs, and then he'll just go out on the streets and look for folks who might not have a home to live in that night, might not have had food to eat that day, and just say, hey, I've got some food. You want to come eat with me? And what I love about it, I remember the first time I went, how genuinely loving it was. It wasn't about checking off boxes and saying, I fed the homeless. It was about, there are people that God made in his image that I could bring food to right now and that I could have a conversation with and I could show love to. And so I had an opportunity to join them. The other two men on the team were going to be going. And I got to a place where I realized God had actually created a way for me to be able to go. And so I went knowing that that was God orchestrating it. The four of us arrived with a giant crock pot full of spaghetti. And then Jesse was about to go out into the streets when I counted and I realized there were four of us. Jesse was going to go by himself. What if, what if we just did two by two? So I asked Jesse, I was like, hey, would you like company? Would you like me to go with you? Jesse's heart was in reaching as many people, um, getting food to as many people that wanted it. And so if we went together we'd only be able to cover one area. So he's like, nah, I I think actually, if you want, you could just head north towards the McDonald's. And so I had a moment where I wasn't sure because I already hadn't fully planned to be there that night, but I definitely hadn't planned to walk by myself in the dark streets of Shaco Bottom in Richmond. And yet there is this sense that God was extending an invitation. I just had this, this sense that God was saying, you'll be fine, why don't you come on? Why don't you see what I want to do? 
And so a teammate, Tor Martin, was like, hey, are you sure you want to go by yourself? And I was like, actually, I think I'm good. I feel good about it. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'll be back. <laughs> and I took off walking up the sidewalk in the dark in the middle of downtown Richmond. And I knew the area that I was walking towards. There's a gas station, a bus stop, a couple corners, and a McDonald's that are usually incredibly active. But one thing that Jesse told us early on is because it was the first Friday of the month, there might be some folks that are usually out there that might have gotten some money and might stay in a hotel for the night or for a couple nights instead of being out on the streets or in a tent. So he said there might not be many people out. And sure enough, I get up to the Exxon. I can see the McDonald's. I can see the bus stop. And there is nobody. I mean, I've never seen that before where there's absolutely nobody out there. And so I'm praying that God would order my steps. I'm praying that God would do what he wants to do, um, that I was willing to be used by him. And I felt this nudge to walk across Broad Street. There's nobody over there, but I walk across. And then I feel like God has given me an invitation to walk towards the McDonald's. So I turn right and I walk towards the McDonald's. And I'm starting to think through, okay, I guess maybe I'll go into the McDonald's or maybe there's people around there. But then my thoughts are interrupted I feel like God is telling me to walk back across Broad Street as I'm at an intersection. And so it's all happening really quick. And I look at the pedestrian crossing sign, and I've still got 10 seconds left. And so I'm like, it doesn't make much sense to have walked across Broad and then to walk back just a block later, but I'm going to do what God says. And so I step into the street, and this woman had been going straight, suddenly decides that she wants to do a left turn, and she is coming right at me. And it's happening so fast, there's not much I can do. She stops, and then she starts going again, and I managed to back up in time for her to drive by and wave her arm frantically in a way that makes it clear that she feels really bad, she didn't mean to do it, but <laughs> like, I almost got hit by a car. And, and I look up, and uh, I can see two guys on the bench, and I realize they've watched it happen. Now, here's the deal. I have not walked around downtown Richmond in the dark by myself before, and I've not done it with the purpose of inviting people to come eat spaghetti with me. And so I don't really know, going into it, what I'm going to say. How am I going to start this conversation? And I don't want to um, assume things about people or devalue someone by asking if they want food assuming that they don't have food and then find out, no, they actually do. Like, I want to honor people. So how do I start that conversation in an honoring and dignifying way while also not being so restrictive in what I'm saying that I don't talk to anybody, right? So those are the thoughts going through my mind as I'm walking. A woman almost hits me with the car and I look up and there's two guys and suddenly I realize the genius of God that he has given me uh, an amazing conversation starter, God did another thing too. One of the guys on the bench, I actually knew. I had met him 15 minutes prior when we were setting up the spaghetti. He was walking by and he was carrying a couple big bags. And I was like, hey, we've got some spaghetti if you're hungry. He's like, no, I'm actually, I'm about to catch the bus, about to go home. But we talked for a little bit. And lo and behold, here he is sitting on the bench. And so as I'm crossing the street before I get hit by more cars, I look at him like, man, did you see that woman try to hit me? He's like, yeah, we watched the whole thing. 
And I look at the other guy that I didn't know at all. And I was like, yeah, man, she tried to hit me. I almost took me out. And, you know, we're just kind of going back and forth about this event that had transpired. Well, I knew the first guy didn't need any spaghetti. But I just had this moment where I looked at the other guy and I was like, hey, man, we've got a lot of spaghetti down the street. Are you hungry? And he's like, yeah, I'm coming. And he just right, like, without any hesitation, just starts walking with me down the street, grabs his bike. And then suddenly I'm walking with this guy, I don't know, down several blocks in Shaco Bottom. <laughs> and I come to learn his name. Uh, I'll call him Don for the purposes of this podcast. But Don uh, had recently left his job because of some injustices in it. He had fallen some hard times, had got caught up into some things. But coming into 2020, he really wanted to turn things around. He really wanted to be aware of the decisions he's making. So he told me, you know, he's abstaining from everything, anything that could distract him. And he was focusing on saving his money and he wanted to start his own business doing uh, construction. So he's sharing his story. He's sharing how, because of the hard times, he found himself living in a tent city uh, that's actually just down the street from my house. Uh, I had learned about this tent city because a friend of mine, Lawrence, has been serving there, um, just going out, you know, a couple days a week just to show love to folks, bring food, uh, hear conversations, pray for folks. Uh, I mean, really genuinely just being available. And so I was telling Don that I knew about the Tent City, was having some conversations about the folks there. And, you know, we eventually work our way over to where the spaghetti is, where Tor Martin and Bjarna uh, are already serving up a plate for Don. And we sit down and we start to talk. Well, one of the things that Jesse likes to do uh, when he provides food is, is when possible, he likes to have a verse in mind that he can share. Well, in this particular day, when he prayed, he felt like the verse that God gave him was 1 John five twelve, which says this, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So before he set off south to find people, he reminded us, hey, here's the verse. So when you get somebody some food, you know, just find an opportunity to share that verse with them. I don't know why God put it out there, but that's the verse he gave to us. And so I remember having this feeling as Don was talking that I wanted to share the verse, but I wasn't sure how to do it in a way that, again, was honoring. I didn't want it to feel like a bait and switch, like, hey, would you like some spaghetti? Ha ha, here's the Bible. Like, I didn't want it to be like that. But I also knew there's power in the word. I also knew that Jesse had prayed, and this was the verse that God gave. Maybe that's the verse God chose for a reason, right? Like, all these thoughts are going through my mind. I'm not sure how it's going to work, so I started to pray, all right, God, like, if, if you want this to happen, I want you to make a way just like you had somebody almost hit me to make a way for me to talk to Don. And it was like right around that time that Don suddenly shifted the conversation to spiritual stuff. He said that he knew that he had angels around him protecting him. And that led us to talking about uh, what that meant for him, who God was for him. He shared that he grew up Baptist, but he was really wounded by the church and saw a lot of things in the church that he felt like wasn't what God was calling for. And so he pulled back from that. He looked at other religions to see who God was in those. So I was asking him, you know, if he saw God in those religions, where did Jesus fit in it for him since he grew up Baptist? How did he feel about Jesus? And, and all these things, like, it just— 
was natural and it just flowed out and it was real. I knew that I wasn't trying to play some game and Don knew I wasn't trying to play some game. We were just talking about it. And so somehow in the course of us talking, a moment hit where I suddenly realized that something Don said was the perfect lead into that verse. And so I, I was like, all right, God, I see you. And so I was like, hey, Don, what you just said actually makes me think of a verse that we were talking about earlier. Would you mind if I read that? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. And so I grabbed the Bible and he continues, yeah, I love scripture. You know, I love the word. And like, man, there's this verse I love that says something like, you know, if you know God, you have life. And if you don't know God, you don't have life. And Tor Martin just looked at him and he's like, that's the verse he's looking up. That's the verse that we were talking about earlier today. And I, I find it by that point. I was like, man, Don, like God must be doing something because that is the exact verse I was trying to find. And so we read it and we talk some more. And I was just struck by how it wasn't about me forcing scripture. It wasn't about me orchestrating the best way to share something. It was about me being obedient to what God was calling me to and trusting him to make a way if he wants to make a way. And he definitely made a way. And so we continue the conversation. It's just really good. We finally get to the end. It's clear Don needs to head out because it's getting dark. He needs to get back to the tent. Before he goes, I'm like, hey, man, can we pray? And he's like, oh, man, prayer never hurt. And he puts his hands out for us to hold like without a second thought. And so Tor Martin and I grab his hands. Bjarna comes up, uh, puts a hand on Don's shoulder. I ask if there's anything that we can pray for. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, just good health. And I was like, well, you know, you've, you've shared some other things too. And you've shared about you know, just the injustice that happened to you. And, you know, I'm sure you want prayer for just like release and anger for God to provide for your business, for all these things. And so, I mean, we're just going to lift it up. Uh, Tor Martin and Bjarna from Norway. So we, we let Don know that they might be praying in Norwegian so he doesn't get scared. And, and so we pray. And when it gets to me, I just had this feeling that while I was still going to pray for some of those practical things, I felt like God actually had something else for Don. I felt like God was reminding me of that verse, that whoever has the son has life. And so as I started to pray, I didn't know what I was going to say, but I just started saying whatever came out. And it was basically that, well, God wants all these things for Don. What, what he wants for Don is for him to have life, not just more years, not just resources, but full, abundant life. He wanted Don to know that and to experience that and I can't tell you all of what I prayed, but I felt like God was saying things to Don that I didn't even need to know. And I believe he did the same thing through Tor Martin Bjarna's prayers. Because after we finished, Don looks at us all and he's like, that, that is like the most powerful prayer I've ever experienced in my life. And we told him that was God, not us. <laughs> because we didn't plan that conversation with Don. We didn't even know who Don was until a woman almost hit me with a car. And there are so many other beautiful things that came out of it. You know, Don felt like he had angels around him, but not God and Jesus because God and Jesus were busy doing other things. And Tor Martin was very emphatic that God cared about him personally. And he reminded him about the passage where the shepherd would leave the 99 for the one. And it really struck Don. It kind of clicked. He's like, okay, I see what you're saying. And as, as we're sharing these things and, and we're saying goodbye and we're saying we hope we see him again, Bjarna has this this passage come to his mind and, and, but he can't remember what it is and he can't quite find it. And Don rides off and as Don's almost out of sight, it, it clicks that Bjarna's thinking of the passage. I think it's, um, you know, Jesus is talking to Nathaniel and, you know, 
knows him, knows him by name and sees, sees him under the fig tree. And, you know, Nathaniel's like, how did you know who I was? And Jesus is like, I saw you, you know, even before. And I'm, I'm probably messing up the passage, but Bjarne felt like it was a passage that really captured something true about Don's original design. And kind of sadly, he was like, well, I guess I'll, I'll just have to tell him next week. And then right as he's saying that, suddenly Don comes back into sight. And he rides right up to us, and he's like, hey, I have a friend who had to work late that lives over in the tent city with me. Could I take some spaghetti to go? And we're like, absolutely. And so we start fixing it up, and Bjarna goes right into it. Like, he's like, look, there's this passage I felt like God had for you that you know, I, I was going to tell you next week, but you know, here it is, and he shares it. And then suddenly we realize, we've got the stack of Bibles. We could just give him one. So I'm like, Don, do you have a Bible? And he's like, no. I was like, would you like one? He's like, yeah, I'd love one. And so they get it, and then they try to find a marker to mark the passage, and, you know, we say some more words to each other, and we just realized how grateful we were to get to know Don, um, for how God worked through Don to challenge and encourage and inspire us three men on outreach, and we're just excited for what God is going to do in Don's life, how he's going to bring full life, and we may never know. I haven't seen Don since then. I don't know if I will ever see Don again, but I know that God sees him. And I know that it's not about me. It's about God that (laughs) all I did was nearly get hit by a car, right? Like all I did was take literal steps of obedience up 17th Street because God said that he wanted to show me something and he wanted to do something. And so I'm going to keep praying for Don and I'm going to keep believing that God is at work. And I'm going to believe, too, that what God does in Don is going to spread. It's going to spread to his friend that he brought that spaghetti to. It's going to spread to other people that he talks to over where he's living. It's going to spread as he starts his business and he's interacting with clients. Because that's what God does is he is so real and so powerful that when somebody really sees and understands him, it just takes off like wildfire. Walking in obedience can be hard and scary, right? Like I was not planning on walking by myself on the dark Richmond streets. But because I had already positioned myself to listen to God's voice and to do what he says, I already had this resolve to go where he said to go. And that any fears I had were secondary to the call that I felt like he was given, even if he barely gave me anything to work with. And the beautiful thing about the way that God works is I don't have to know. I don't have to know what's going to happen or how it's going to work. In fact, sometimes if we do know, we might try to change plans up. If God said, hey, I'm going to have somebody almost hit you with a car, I might say, no, you're not. But if all God says is turn here, turn here, and then the car comes, (laughs) I'm just going to have to trust God and what he does next. And he works. And he does this over and over and over. So I want to encourage you, if you want to experience God, if you want to see God at work, then position yourself to walk in obedience. You can literally say, God, order my steps as you are walking down the street. And when you feel little nudges, just go for it. If you feel like there's this nudge 
to turn right when you were planning on turning left, turn right. See what happens. Because here's the thing. God's not going to be up there going, man, I didn't tell you to turn right. What God's going to say is, look at that. He, she was trying to walk towards me, and they made a decision with the desire to step in the direction they thought I was saying. I love that. That's how God's going to respond. And more often than not, the more we do that, the more we try to hear the voice of God, the more that those little nudges are going to be right. The more those little nudges are going to lead to something that we would not have gone to on our own. We would not have known about on our own. We would not have been able to do on our own. Those literal steps of obedience led me to an intersection where I almost got hit, which led me to a guy that I knew and a guy that I didn't, which led to a conversation with Don, which led me to seeing God bring about a chance to share the verse that he had brought into Jesse's mind in a beautiful way, which led to a really authentic, genuine prayer between four men, which leads to, I don't know, I don't know the rest of Don's story. But like I said, God does. And so today, whatever you are doing, accept that invitation from God to let him order your steps. Take those steps. Walk where God says to walk. No matter how vague, no matter how quiet that voice is. Because it's not about whether you will get to the right location or not. It's about taking steps towards God. And if you think it might be God and you take a step, it doesn't matter if it really was or not because you took a step towards God. When you do that, God is going to respond. He is going to show up. He is going to work. He is going to speak. He is going to move. And you are going to become a part of a story that is bigger than you. So do that. Ask God to order your steps. And as you take those steps, ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?